here. Lord, we worship you this morning. God, you are so much greater, so much stronger than any of us. And Lord, this morning, I just sense a barrier here. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to just release anything that we've brought in this morning with us. Lord, I know you want to do something here this morning, and we just pray that we would open up our hearts to what you would have for us. We love you so much. In your name, amen. Thank you for singing. You may be seated. Well, good morning, guys. Welcome to Northridge. Uh, Thanks for braving the cold, like actually leaving the house. I know that that is a struggle uh, when it is uh, this cold. Uh, So I don't normally start this way, but I really, today is just a little different. um, Because today uh, I recognize, and Laura even kind of prayed about it, but as I was going, every Saturday night, I, I kind of pray through and I go through things and I, I kind of run through the message and I'm, I'm thinking about the next day and what God wants to do and what God is saying to me and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'll just tell you, uh, today's message is, uh, it's a harder one and, it, and it's an intense one. And it's one that a lot of people don't want to hear. And, um, and to be honest, last night as I was working on the message and praying, uh, there was just some battle going on, um, just in me, and and I could feel it, like, like that we're going to hit kind of what Laura already prayed that we're going to hit some barriers today, um, and so I just want you to be prepared, uh, because I believe that God wants to talk to you today. I think He wants to talk to you every day, but I believe that today you're going to hear something that that you've probably heard before, uh, but maybe in a different way. Or maybe you've never heard it before, but we're going to get into this. And so uh, before I do that, I do want to say for those of you who are, who are here and here for the first time, uh, I don't normally scare you at the beginning. All right. Uh, so I apologize for that. Uh, but uh, but it, it's one of those things where we do live real. Uh, we are real. We believe that God is real. We believe that Jesus is real. And we believe that the most important thing is to live with Jesus at the center of our life. That we do not live uh, for Jesus on Sunday for an hour or two, but that we live every single minute of every single day for Christ. And so if you're here for the very first time and you don't know what we're about, and if you're not sure about living for Jesus every day, well, that's what we're about. And we want you to know that this is a safe place. And if you're not sure if you're about that, that's okay. Uh, we just we really want you to know that this is a safe place for you to, to examine that and to really wrestle with that and to, to ask us questions about that. What does it mean for you guys to do this? And that's okay. We, we want you to know this is a safe place for you to do that. Uh, but we are in a series. We started this series last week called Focus, Okay. And, and, and really what this is all about, it's just three weeks, so we're right in the middle of this. We started last week, today, and then we'll finish it up next week. Uh, but we're talking about what we as a church, what we as Northridge Church, the people of Northridge, what are we focused on? What drives our church? What are we about? What, what consumes us? What's the most important stuff to us? And, and so last week, we talked about one of the most important things in our church and what we're about, and that's what is called the 167. 
I'm not going to get into the 167 again. I did a whole sermon on it last week. If you missed last week, I would encourage you. Don't, we don't usually do this, but I would encourage you, go to our website, check it out. Listen, hear what the 167 is because it's one of those things, one of many, one of those things that drives our church. We long for it. We live for it. We're passionate about it. And if you're not sure what the 167 is because you've never heard of that and never heard us talk about that, although we talk about it all the time, uh, I would encourage you to go to our website, check out the message, listen to what that is all about. And, and, and that, you'll hear our heartbeat. But today I want to go a little bit deeper than the 167. Actually, a lot deeper. Today we're going to talk about what's so important that literally it's the reason we do everything we do. It's, it's the reason we're here. It's the reason we have the 167. It's the reason we sing the songs that we do. It's the reason that we talk the way that we do. It's the reason that we do everything that we do. It's the, it's the reason behind all that. So to get started, um, I don't know, uh, how, uh, we all grew up different ways, different traditions, different backgrounds, different things, all kinds of stuff, different families. Uh, but you probably, I don't know if you remember as a kid, you remember the songs that you learned as a kid and those, those songs that you remember from long ago, like you don't even remember a time that you didn't know that song? Well, I want to bring up one of those songs. I have a question. I'm just curious uh, here this morning. How many of you have heard of or know the song about Zacchaeus? How many of you grew up and learned that song? Raise your hand. Anybody? Just a few. Okay, there's a few of you. That's more than I thought, to be honest. Uh, I'm a weird one. I know that. And so I know this song. But for those of you who don't know the Zacchaeus song, the song about Zacchaeus, which is a guy in the Bible, I want to sing you the song. I don't normally sing either. Like this is a this is a Sunday of first, isn't it? Like, you know, this is all going down today, right? Because we are doing all kinds of firsts. But I want to just sing you this song. And this is this is basically how it goes. It goes like this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Now that song I learned as a kid, right? I cannot remember a time in my life when I didn't know that song. Like, I can sing that from memory. It's just, it's there. It's ingrained. I could probably be asleep and sing that thing, all right? But that song is very simple. It's kind of silly, but it's a kid's song, and it was, it's really designed to help kids remember the story about Zacchaeus that's in the Bible. So the reason I sang that song is because today we're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus. We're going to look at this story that's usually, we rarely teach on it in, in like all the whole church kind of realm. We usually teach this in a kid's class. We usually teach this to children, right? And we teach them that song and then we learn about the, the, the thing and they love that he climbs a tree. They love that he's a short guy, right? I mean, you know, that's what the whole wee little man, it just means that he was short, all right? And the Bible tells us he was short. Okay, and and so he climbs this tree and the kids love it. But today we're going to get into this story and and it is not so much a kid's story. It's a very, very, very intense and personal and important story in the Bible. And it's good that we teach the kids this story, but maybe we're going to get a little different view of it today. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, first 10 verses. We're going to read the whole thing and then we're going to go back and unpack it. 
Uh, We also don't usually do that, do we? Read the whole thing, but we're going to do that today. So Luke chapter 19, starting with verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Remember, wee little man, right? So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to seek and save those who are lost. So that's the story of Zacchaeus. That's the song that we just sang. So it's an interesting story, right? But I want you to, if you think about this story, I want you to notice that there are really two groups of people that are represented in the story of Zacchaeus. Two groups of people that are represented. The first group of people is represented by Zacchaeus. They are the people in this world who are longing and desiring and wanting to go after Jesus. They want a relationship with God. And they realize that Jesus is the way to do that. And so like Zacchaeus, they have this intense desire to be in front of Jesus, to to learn from him, to be face to face with him, to have a relationship with him. And so Zacchaeus kind of kind of epitomizes that. In fact, we know that he has this uh, this desire and he has this thing. But but this is what he uh, epitomizes. So verses three through four, listen to what it says again. He Zacchaeus tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. So these two verses tell us a couple of things very important about this group of people that this passage is talking about. Okay, first, it tells us that Zacchaeus and those who are really wanting a relationship with God, that they have a desire to do it. You have to start with an openness. You have to start with a desire to want to be in relationship with God. Right? It doesn't work to maybe believe in him or not believe in him. It doesn't work to say, eh, I want that, but I don't really want to live differently. It, it, it's it's a, an intense desire. Uh, and, and Zacchaeus, he didn't even know what it was going to do to him. Right? He, in fact, he didn't even know that Jesus knew his name. I'm sure that freaked him out. Right? Jesus walks up and he's like in this tree and Jesus looks up and he's like, man, Jesus saw me. Right? And then he looks up and he, then he says, Zacchaeus. Right? Zacchaeus? Oh, no, it wasn't like a guess. It was Zacchaeus. Get out of the tree. I'm coming over to your house. I hope you cleaned. <laughs> I hope you vacuumed, right? And by the way, Jesus is sometimes that way. He's, he's going to just invite in, right? And we, we, have a, we have an option, but Jesus is there. And so Zacchaeus, I'm sure, is freaked out. But then he realizes Jesus is coming over to my house. But he has this desire. And how do we see that desire? We see that desire because this is a full-grown man. Yeah, he's short, but he's still an adult. 
and he's well-known in the community. And think about this. He climbs a tree in front of everybody just so he can see Jesus. He is willing to be embarrassed. Completely embarrassed. How many of you would climb a tree just to see somebody in a parade in front of all your friends and everybody you know in Lonakee? How many would you be willing to do that? Not many of us, I would guess. Zacchaeus throws himself into a tree just so that he can get a look at Jesus. His desire was intense, wasn't it? Okay, and we have this tree. There's a, this is actually a sycamore fig tree. Okay, so it gives you an idea of the kind of tree that he climbed. And what's more, this is a sycamore fig tree in Jericho. This is, this is a, now, of course, in order to make money on tourism, they say that this is the tree he climbed. All right, okay. Who knows? I don't know, whatever. If you want to pay and go see it, that's awesome, right? But this is a sycamore fig tree, and it is in the city of Jericho. It's in the town of Jericho, okay? So this gives you an idea of the kind of tree that Zacchaeus was climbing, all right? So he climbs up in this tree, and he has this desire, but it shows us something else. When we have the desire to have a relationship with God through Jesus, when we have that intensity, that want to do that, it also is going to require something else. What is it going to require? It's going to require us to take some kind of action. It's going to require us to do something, isn't it? Right? Something that probably we haven't done before. All right? Something that we haven't done before, something that we haven't maybe thought about before, like, well, maybe climbing a tree. Maybe it's not a sycamore tree. Maybe it's not. Or maybe it's being willing to be open to something that we've never been open to before. But Zacchaeus signifies, represents that first group of people, the the ones who have given their life to Christ or who are open to that. Okay? So that's that's the first thing. Now, there's a second group that's represented. Did you guys notice them? You notice there was a second group. It wasn't just Zacchaeus and Jesus, right? There, there was a second group that was represented in this story. And this group of people, this would be the people who, they're not sure if they want anything to do with Jesus. They're not sure if they even like Jesus. They're not even sure if Jesus is really real. Like, they see him, right? They're in Jericho. They watch him walking through. But they're not really sure that what, who he says he is is really who he is. And, and maybe some of them, maybe some of them are followers of Christ, but they're not sure that they like the Jesus that they thought they knew. Okay? Because what happens, how the events kind of go down, they're not really excited about it. Did you notice that? Let me read it. Go back to verses 6 and 7. Remember, Jesus calls Zacchaeus down. Okay? He calls him down. And this is what happens. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Notice, there was great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Notice that this group of people, some of them probably wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And so they're going to use this as an opportunity and say, you're following that guy, right? You're following that guy? And there are some that maybe they were following Jesus or they were thinking about following Christ. Maybe they wanted a relationship with Jesus, but then they realized that they really didn't have a belief in somebody that they thought. Jesus is going to be the guest of a sinner, of a tax collector, right? Of a thief. And so that's what he's talking about. I'm going to switch mics. We'll work on that later. We good?
stand-up comedy. So a guy walks into a bar one day. It's not the route we want to (laughs) go. Welcome to Northridge. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) But this group of people, they, they maybe wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Okay, we might consider them to be atheists. Okay, maybe they're more like agnostics. Maybe they're thinking about God, but they're not sure. Maybe God was relevant at one time, but he left. He just took off. He's, he's over by Saturn somewhere or something. That's what some people think, literally. Uh, maybe this group of people, they, they believe in Jesus or they wanted to follow Jesus, but they're not sure. And maybe, maybe there's some in this group of people that they are following Christ or they had, they had kind of thought that they wanted a relationship with God. But then they see Jesus go to Zacchaeus' house, this guy that steals from people. He's a thief. He's rich and he's powerful and he's wealthy and he's, he's all these things and nobody likes him. He's the guy that nobody invites to the party because they don't want him around. He's the one that collects our taxes. We want nothing to do with Zacchaeus. And so, therefore, since Jesus is going to his house, he's going to spend time with that guy? I want nothing to do with that Jesus. That's basically what they're saying. He's going to the house of that sinner, and they're grumbling. They're gossiping about Jesus and Zacchaeus. Now, what does this tell us about these things? We have these two groups, right? We have Zacchaeus on one side, and we have this group of people on the other. We have this, this intense desire to want a relationship with God, the God of the universe through Jesus, through his son. And then we have another group over here who really isn't sure or wants nothing to do with it. And they're disgusted by the fact that God would save and give salvation to people like Zacchaeus. Because Zacchaeus is an evil guy. He's a mess. And so we have these two groups, and notice the contrast. We have Zacchaeus, it says, he was excited and filled with joy to take Jesus to his house. And what are the other people doing? They're grumbling. Now, what's the difference? What's the focus here? The focus is very simple. Zacchaeus is focused on Jesus. Wouldn't we say that that's probably true, that we would agree with that? That Zacchaeus is focused on Jesus And he wants to know more about Jesus. He wants to be with Jesus. He's focused on Jesus. These people, if they were focused on Jesus, they wouldn't worry about whose house he was at. But they weren't focused on Jesus. They were focused on what? They are focused on themselves. They were focused on what they wanted, how they wanted life to be, what they were doing. I need to do this. I've got to do that. This is what I want, and this is what I want me to be, and this is what I want Jesus to be. You know, there's a lot of people that have created God in their image rather than realizing that God created us in his image. And so we have these two groups of people. And, and Zacchaeus shows us what we need to do, doesn't he? He shows us what we need to do. I'm not telling you you need to leave here, you know, after lunch and go climb trees, all right? I mean, if you want to, that's awesome, right? I'm, I'm all for it. I, l- I love to do that, although the weather could be better for that, right? But I'm saying there are things that God is going to call you to do, and you need to have the desire to do it, like Zacchaeus did, and respond when Jesus calls you. It's not whether or not Jesus calls us out of the tree. It's when he does. What is our response? What is our response, like Zacchaeus? And Zacchaeus accepts Jesus, does all this. Now, 
You might be wondering, why are we talking about this little kid's story on Sunday morning when we're talking about one of the most important things about our church? Well, as you can tell, at the very end of this story, we get to what we as a church are all about. It's what we're all about. It's what we get excited about. It's what we're passionate about. It's literally the purpose we're here as a church, as people. If you look to the end of that story, notice what happens. Zacchaeus has been having a long conversation with Jesus. We don't know how long he was there. He was just hanging out with Jesus for a while. Okay, And he and Jesus are talking. And so Jesus is talking to him, and they're having this conversation. And, and, and so Zacchaeus, all of a sudden, he stands up, and he stands before Jesus. It, you can tell that Zacchaeus realizes he's got to say something. He has a, he's got to do something important. And so what Zacchaeus does is he basically gives his life to Jesus. He puts his life in Jesus' hands. So he believes everything that Jesus is and what he's saying and what he's doing. And, Z- and Zacchaeus decides, I need to make a huge change in my life. I need to shift gears from what I've been doing, and I need to be doing something different. I need to be somebody different. He gives his life to Christ. He accepts Jesus, puts his life in his hands. And then notice what Zacchaeus says. We know his change was genuine because what does he say? He says, I am going to give half of my wealth to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone on their taxes, I'm going to give them back all that money times four. I'm going to give them back four times as much as I stole from them. Tax collectors in this day were known as thieves. They would skim off. What they would do is the Romans required them to to collect taxes, and then the Jewish authorities would require them to collect taxes. And then what they would do is they would collect a little bit more taxes on top of all those taxes so that they could keep the skim off the top. That's how they made it really wealthy. And so he was known as a thief, and he knew he had wronged people, and so he said, no longer am I going to do that, plus I'm going to make it right times four. Salvation happened for Zacchaeus that day. In fact, this is what Jesus says. Look back to verses 9 and 10. It says, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man, he's talking about Zacchaeus, has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man, for Jesus, came to seek and save those who are lost. He came to seek and save those who are lost. And so that's what this whole story is about. Now, a couple of things about this word lost, because we sometimes get offended by this word. We sometimes have the wrong connotation of this word, all right? And in fact, when I tell you the real meaning of this word, you might even be slightly more put off by it, because lost sounds bad. When I tell you what it really means, it's going to be worse. I know, I'm encouraging here today, right? That's why we're here, right? To be encouraged. But it's true. If you look at the original meaning of this word, we sometimes, when we think of lost, we think of somebody like wandering in the woods, right? Or somebody doesn't know where they're at or anything like that. That's that's what lost means in terms of the word today in our culture. And, and, And Jesus was kind of talking about that here today with this, but not quite. There's a little bit different meaning that we have to understand. If you look at the original language of what this is written in, remember, this was not written originally in English. It was written in Koine Greek, which is the common language of the day. All right? So this is the language that everybody, the majority of people would have known, Koine Greek. Okay? And so if you look at the original Greek language, how the scribe actually wrote down what Jesus said in Greek, the word that was used 
was to seek and to save those who are apollomy. Okay? The Greek word is apollomy. We translate it to lost, but this is the original word that Jesus meant. Okay? This word apollomy, if you translate it, it literally translates, this Greek word means destroyed, ruined, decimated. That's what, the, that's what this word means. So if you put that in, this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus says to Zacchaeus, and he says to you and I, I have come to seek and to save those who are being destroyed. I told you we weren't going to like it as much as lost. Lost sounds nice and soft. What Jesus was saying is there are people who are in danger of being destroyed because they're without Jesus. These are not my words. These are Jesus' words. And by the way, I looked it up, had to check on this. No less than 25 times is this word apollomy, destruction, used to describe people who are without Jesus. I wasn't sure. I, had to, I, had to, I spent some time looking all that up. No less than 25 times. It might be even more than that. In fact, you guys know the most famous verse in the Bible, right? Oh, that most famous verse. We see it on the, you know, we have a famous quarterback that puts it under his eyes. We have uh, pictures of it all over. We have people that hold up signs in the football stadiums, baseball stadiums. John 3.16, right? John 3.16. We hear about John 3.16, John 3.16, John 3.16. A lot of us have it memorized, right? What does it say? Think about it. For God so loved the world, he loved people so much that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him, puts their life and their trust and their hope and their faith in Jesus, like Zacchaeus did, they would not, what? They would not perish. That's that same word, apollomy. Did you know that? The same word that Jesus says, I came to seek and save the lost, that same word in John 3.16, it's the same word, apollomy. They will not be destroyed but they will have eternal life. That's what John 3.16 says. God so loved everybody that he gave Jesus so that if people accept him, they will not be destroyed. It doesn't get more serious than this, guys. I know it's easier to talk about serving other people. I know it's easier to talk about how much God loves us. And, and let me just tell you, here's what we sometimes do. We sometimes think that because God is talking about people who are going to be destroyed because they don't have Jesus, we think that God is cruel and mean and bad and evil and just mad at everything. Can I tell you what Jesus really is and what God really is? He loves us so much that he doesn't want us to choose anything against him. And he gives us every opportunity that he possibly can for us to give our life to him. But the problem is there's a lot of times there's a group of people like that other people that they can't see past their own barriers. And they grumble about it. And they say, who's to say I'm lost? How prideful is that God? And what I would say is how prideful is it that we think God is prideful? How prideful is it that we think God is prideful? Oh, 
how we can turn it around on God, and it's our it's a reflection of ourselves. We don't like to focus on this. I get that. But the truth is, Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. So guess what our purpose should be as a church if we are followers of Christ? Our purpose here is to seek and save those who are in danger of being destroyed. Not only on this earth, but eternally. And by the way, I know that this is not the most popular sermon. I I doubt there's going to be a lot of people going, man, you need to go on the website and listen to that one. Right? Because every now and then we do, serving and 167, hear that a lot. This is one of those because why? Because we are worried, we are scared about how people will take this. Aren't we? Clearly, we're, we're worried about how people are going to take this. Because, in fact, the Bible tells us that people are not going to take this well. They tell it, the Bible, did you know that the Bible tells us that? That people are not going to take this news well. Because they don't want anything to do with Jesus. Okay, listen to what 2 Corinthians 2 says. It says, now he uses us, he's talking about us as followers of Christ, to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. Okay, so just listen to this. If we live for Christ, it's like an aroma to God. God is pleased and honored by it. When we don't, it's kind of like a stink. Okay? That's what this is saying. When we live for Jesus, we are like an aroma to God. Okay? But listen to what it says. But this fragrance, which is sweet, is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. There's that word again, lost. So what this is saying is, and I know it's not going to be exciting, like, yes, that's going to make me go out and run, and like, this afternoon I'm, I'm talking to everybody, right? But what this is literally saying is, for those of us who have Christ, this aroma is sweet to God, and we kind of recognize it that way. But what this is saying is, those who want nothing to do with God, want nothing to do with Jesus, they might be a little offended by this. They might be turned off. It might stink to them, all right? It's kind of it's kind of like when you you know you go through and you you smell those candles along the have you ever done that you know open up the tops and smell those candles every now and then I don't do it often okay it's not my mode but whatever sometimes sometimes Laura's shopping and I have to find stuff to do let's just be honest all right and I'm a guy I get bored therefore I'm like oh well oh look candles I'll smell a few right. Just and it's pretty much pretty. I don't even enjoy the smells. I just out of curiosity, like what's well, evergreen? Okay, so oh, well, I, I think it smells like evergreen. I don't know, but you go through that, and some they like, oh, they love it, and sometimes they hand it to you, and you smell, it, you go, oh, nasty, right? Because we have different aromas that smell good to us. Well, with us, if we have Christ in our life, we're a sweet aroma to God. But a lot of people who don't have Christ, it's going to smell awful because they want nothing to do with him. It's a pride thing. It's a selfish thing. We must understand, though, that God does not want to destroy anybody. He doesn't want to destroy anybody. His desire is that nobody ever gets destroyed. He knows that some will choose that, and it breaks his heart, but he doesn't want anybody to. Listen to what it says in 2 Peter 3 says, you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. He's writing to followers of Christ, to Christians. 
A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. Just think about this. A lot of people wonder why this world keeps getting worse, and there's so many more problems, all that kind of stuff. It's not because God is just kind of holding back and not fulfilling any of his promises. You know what he's waiting for? He is as patient as he can be so that as many people as possible will come to Jesus and be saved. That's what he's waiting for. He's patient. He wants people to find salvation. He longs for it more than anything. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. There's that word again, lost, apollomy, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. That means nobody's going to know when that happens. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. God wants everyone to find salvation in Jesus. He longs for it because he loves every single one of you here. He knows every one of you by name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows literally what you're thinking right now, what you weren't thinking, what you were thinking yesterday, and what you're going to think tomorrow. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he loves you in every aspect of you. But he knows that the only way to find salvation is to give up our ways, our sin, and surrender to Jesus. Our focus here at Northridge, more than anything else, is to see people move from this group over here who want nothing to do with Jesus or living contrary to Jesus. We want to see as many people move from this group to this group. Or at the minimum, start moving that way. We want as many people as possible to do that. And many of you sitting in here have done that over the last couple of years at Northridge. And we celebrate you. That's why when I tell you, when you accept Christ, I'll, I'll try not to scare you on the phone by being excited and be like, hey, I'm so excited for you. Some of you I have scared a little bit. I'm sorry about that. I've been, I, because my heart leaps because I know that when we literally, when we move somebody who is not with Christ to with Christ, they literally have moved from death to life. They've literally moved from lost to found. They've moved from despair to hope. I know that Jesus, that's what he is here for, and that's what we're here for. So, two things. What, you might ask, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for us? What does that mean for us as a church? Well, it's a good question. I think it's a great question. First, the obvious one, I hope, would be this. Have you given your life to Jesus? I'm not asking if you're acting like it. I'm not asking if you thought about it a few times. I'm not asking anything else. I'm simply asking, have you given your life, have you put it in Jesus' hands? Have you given your life to Jesus? Because it's the only way to find salvation. If you're here and you haven't done that, we'll give you an opportunity in a minute. But for the rest of us, if you've given your life to Christ, then guess what? One of your main responsibilities, if not your main responsibility in life on this planet is, 
It is to do the same thing that Jesus did, to seek and to save those who are lost. No, I, I, I know that you can't save them. I get that. But there are people who know nothing about God and nothing about Jesus or very little. Maybe because they want to, maybe because nobody's ever taken the time to actually tell them. Guess what your responsibility is? Your responsibility is to live your life in such a way that they see how Jesus shines in you and through you. And when they are ready, or when God prompts you, and some, by the way, there are some times that God makes this easy on me, where he's like, boom, he lays it out, he tees it up, right? Because they ask a question, they say, well, how do you have, you know, whatever? And I'm like, oh, man, all right, here we go. Let me just share with you about my belief and, and how I put my faith in Jesus. And you know what he does sometimes? Sometimes he just says, live your life. Live your life as Jesus would want you, and then people will see it. And then sometimes he actually has asked me to call it out. Oh, that is fun. And I know that goes against our culture. Well, but you might offend them. Well, let me just tell you, the gospel and the Bible is offensive. It is. I'm not saying be a jerk. I don't come up and be like, you know, you're a horrible person. <laughs> I just, I need to let you know that, and I know how to fix it. (laughs) Right? I'm not, that's not at all, and that's not how God wants it to go. But he does care about them deeply, guys. And if you never let anybody around you know that you are in with Jesus, then they are possibly being destroyed, and part of that is on you. Part of that's on you. We need to be bold enough and courageous enough to be willing to put ourselves out there. In fact, I wasn't even going to share this, but there was a there's a famous person I won't say who, who at one time did a show. A, if I said his name, we'd know who the celebrity was. And after the show, somebody came up to him, a, a follower of Christ, a Christian. And, uh, and and just talked to him and said, hey, I love the show. This is great and everything. I just wanted to ask, do you, do you know Jesus? Do you have faith in Christ <laughs> of this celebrity? Like, bold. And this guy, you're gonna, some of you are going to know who it is when I say this, but he went actually on social media and he said, now I want, you, I want everybody to know this. He said, I, I, I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. But he said, I so appreciate that person. He was not mean. He was not offensive. He was not derogatory toward me, but he did ask. And he says this, this was powerful. He said, if that guy believes that I will be destroyed, that I will spend eternity separated from God without Jesus, and he doesn't tell me that, he doesn't share that with me in a non-offensive, not, you know, non-intimidating way, but he doesn't share that with me, I don't know that his faith is worth anything. In other words, he's saying, I don't even necessarily believe what he was telling me. But man, if he believes that, then why shouldn't he tell me? That's huge. We need to make sure of two things. One, that we have given our life to Jesus. That we have salvation in Christ. And two... We need to make sure that we are living our lives in such a way that people see 
Jesus in us. And when the window of opportunity opens for us to share about our faith, we need to be ready to step through that confidently, boldly, but yes, with humility saying, it is not about me, it's not about anybody else, it is about God and what he wants to do in this person's life. That is what Northridge exists here for. This is why you guys may get tired of this, but we give the opportunity to people to accept Christ all the time, don't we? You know why we do that? Because God wants to do that, wants to work in their life. We have, there's, the only part we have to play is to help people think about it. That's it. God does all the work. But we're going to consistently and constantly give that opportunity because it is the most important thing that we can do. One of Jesus' last words, he tells us what we need to do if we're followers of Christ. He says this in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What Jesus is saying is, seek and save the lost, and then help them. That's just the beginning. Once you accept Christ, did you know? That is just the beginning. Like, that's the start. And then at that point, then, your whole life is about becoming as faithful a follower, a disciple of Jesus as you can be. One of the aspects of being a disciple, you know what Jesus' disciples did after he ascended to heaven? What did they do? What was the main thing they did? They went out to all ends of the earth and talked about Jesus and shared Jesus and lived for Jesus. You and I are here sitting in a church, a local congregation, because the disciples did what Jesus called them to do. But it doesn't stop with us. It needs to continue on with us and through us. We are a church. We've seen lives transformed here at Northridge. We literally have seen lives changed completely. From headed one direction to going a completely different direction. From being in prison to not being in prison anymore. And living a different life. We've seen people who are uh, stuck and, and addicted to drugs, and, and they've changed. We've seen, we've seen people who are walking as far away from God as possible, and they've given their lives to Christ. This has happened in church. This has happened at restaurants around Wanakee. This has happened in the privacy of their own home when they've been reading the Bible and they've just prayed and they've accepted Jesus. This has happened again and again and again and again and again. And there's even more people beyond that that have rededicated, re-upped in their life to Christ. I get excited about that because that, above all things, is what we're about here at Northridge. Is seeing people find salvation in Jesus. So in a minute, I'm just going to pray. And if you want to accept Christ, we'll give you the opportunity. We're not going to belabor it. We're not going to spend a lot of time. If you know you want to accept Christ, if you know you haven't and you need to, you can do it. If not, and if you're already a follower of Christ, then you know what your responsibility is. There are lots of people around you who have not connected to God through Jesus yet. You might be the bridge. It's quite possible you are. So ask yourself, what does God want you to do? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for anybody in here who has never accepted Christ.
They've never given their life to you, Jesus. I don't know who they are, but you do. I know you know every single person in here. And so, God, uh, I just pray that they would pray some version of this prayer to you. Jesus, I am a sinner and I am lost. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and for raising from the grave for me. Thank you for paying the price for my sins. Today I accept you. Today I give my life to you. Today I become a follower of Christ. Today my life is transformed. Thank you for loving me, Jesus, for saving me, and helping me to move from lost to found. For anybody else who is in here who is a follower of Christ, I pray that you would help us to be bold and courageous. Help us not to hold back in sharing your love, because I know you love people dearly, desperately you love them. Help us to, to live that out. And for anybody in here who's just still not sure, they're scared. Maybe they're just, they don't think they need anything from you. I pray that you would convict them and just move their on their hearts. Help them to realize how much you love them. You love them so much, more than they could know. Pray all these things in your name. The greatest name, the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.